Hello and welcome to the Unorganized and Lost podcast. I'm your host, Michelle, and I'm here to prove you don't always have to be organized to follow your dreams and getting lost isn't always a bad thing. Today, I have a very special guest that I'm so excited about. I have Lauren Johnson on the podcast today. Hello. (laughs) I am so excited. So um, she is a mental, are you still considered a mental performance coach? Is that your title? Mm -hmm. Okay. So she's a mental performance coach and there's so many accolades and different things underneath her belt that we are going to get into but currently she has her own business lauren and lauren johnson and co Mm -hmm. and i i there's so much to get into so i'm not going to list it all before because it's going to take this whole podcast to get through it (laughs) there is a lot but thanks for having me i'm so excited you're here um is there anything else you want to add to your title um, yeah, I'm a mental performance coach and speaker. You kind of covered that. And yeah, my current company is Lauren Johnson and co where I work with all sorts of just high performers, whether they're athletes, business personnel, you know, entrepreneurs, individuals that just want to improve their performance. And we do that by leveraging the power of their mind. Oh, so cool. Okay. So how did you get, what was your first step in even thinking about getting into the mental game? Was that something that you always wanted to do? No, I actually thought I was going to be a physical therapist and it was, it was actually my third game, no fifth game into my senior year. Okay. To clarify, she played soccer in college. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. Uh, so fifth game into my senior year, um, playing soccer and I just come back from an injury and I went up for a header and kind of blacked out when I came out and just for a second, but I woke up and I knew exactly what had happened and I had just received my fifth concussion and they took me off the field and I'm in the training room and I remember the neurologist coming in after, you know, checking out my MRIs and he looked at me and he said, Lauren, um, it's not safe for you to play anymore. And like a you know, typical athlete, especially when you're emotional and, you know, everything's, you know, the game's still going on, by the way, right? Still going on. And, you know, he, he comes in and he's, he's, you know, telling me this and I'm like, no, 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 there has to be like, you know, there has to be another way. Like I need a second opinion, you know, all this stuff. And he said, Lauren, do you want to remember your name when you're 40? And I remember, yeah, it like hit me like a ton of bricks And I was like, well, shoot, that's the plan. And he said, if you get another concussion, I can't guarantee it won't be permanent. And so, of course, I knew that my health was more important and I had to make that decision. And so while I was still a part of the team, my role changed significantly. You know, I didn't get to contribute to my team on the field. I contributed from the bench and the sidelines. And for a while, you know, I went through this whole identity crisis. I didn't know who I was. And part of, you know, me kind of trying to find myself is I was, I was bored. So I kind of wanted to take on something else. And so I decided, you know, I'm going to take an elective course and I found sports psychology and I signed up for this course. I was the only person to sign up for it. So they had to turn it into like an independent study class. The teacher's (laughs) like, I'm not coming to class for just you. So rude. I started taking this course And it was as if somebody held up a mirror and it reflected back to me all of these areas of mental performance that I thought weren't changeable. And I started to learn that I had control over these things. 
Like I always used to, my worth was always that thing where it felt like I could touch it, but could never hold on to it. And it was because I attached it to my outcomes. And so when I was really good on the soccer field, I was on cloud nine, but when I had a bad game, I was worthless. And so when I started to learn all of these areas of your mind that you could exercise and improve, and I no longer had to outsource my performance to outcomes and circumstances and what my coach thought and what my teammates thought and what other people thought that I actually could insource all those things. It was like a light bulb went off. And I kind of thought to myself, I was like, man, what kind of athlete would I have been if I would have known these things? And then I thought, how many people can I help now that I do? And so that's what led me to do this work. And I went on and I got a master's degree in performance psychology and have been doing that ever since. That's so cool. So um, I know obviously a lot of your background because we've known each other for a while. So when you graduate, she went to Point Loma and played soccer and that's where everything happened. Mm -hmm. When you graduated, um, your internship with IMG, was that during or after your master's? That was during my master's. Okay. So kind of explain what IMG is and kind of like, cause I feel like that was a little bit of your launch into like an actual, like touching it and feeling the actual experience of being a mental performance coach. Oh, it absolutely was. Um, so whenever you're, you know, if, if you go into more mental performance or sports psychology, um, in your masters, you will do an internship. And I, I at the time I didn't realize, um, how big this internship was in the field of sports psychology. Um, but I, I got, I got this internship and it was a big deal and I was so excited. And just to give you an idea of how big of a deal this was, there were four other interns that interned that summer. All of them either had their master's or PhD. I was two courses into my master's degree. Wow. So to say these people were interns was like laughable to me. I was like, I'm the actual only intern here. You guys are like mentors to me. So that's wild. It, they did warn me, Lauren, this is going to be an incredibly steep learning curve. So and how did you get in, in line with that or even apply for something like that? You know, that's a great question. Oh, how did I, how did I apply for it? Well, I, I had, you know, teachers and professors that, um, that advocated for me oh, okay. and said, Lauren, this would be great for you. So did and they introduce you to the idea of IMG or did you yes, look that up? Okay. They introduced me to the idea of it. Okay. And that's when I really kind of, and I don't think I really understood the, the weight of it until mm -hmm. I got there. That's so cool. And Can you explain what IMG is really quick? Yes. Oh yeah. So IMG Academy, it's a, it's a kind of, a, it's like a boarding school. Um, and it's for athletes. And I mean, a lot of pro athletes and pro teams use their facilities because they're unreal but essentially every kid that goes to school there they have a physical therapist a mental performance coach a speed coach a um, leadership development coach I mean you name it it's incredible and I think it's I, I might be getting these stats wrong but if I remember correctly it's something like a, they have a, over 50% of people that go to that school end up getting into their top division one pick That's crazy. for sports. And yeah. so it's a heavily based sports school where, you know, if you're an athlete and you want to play at a, you know, division one level, or even a professional level, you know, that is the place. Wow. And so it's, it's a pretty incredible place and they, they offer a lot more than just that, but I think that's what they're best known for. Yeah. So anyways, you get, you get to go there, you get accepted. So you, did you apply? Is that how that worked? Yeah, I applied and I went through a, a I had like three interviews okay. before, um, they told me I, I got it. That's and so, cool. so I, how long was that again? It was, it was about three and a half, four months, if I remember correctly. So it was a whole, it was a summer internship, but man, you were working like 
sometimes like crazy hours. I mean, 10, 15 hour days sometimes. Um, and so it was really like an, in, an intensive time, which was phenomenal for me. Yeah. Um, cause I, man, I, I was, I went in as a sponge and I, you know, if you ask some of the people that I worked with there, they could confirm this. I carried around what I called my IMG Bible <laughs> and oh, it so was cool. all my notes, all like, and I just carried it around everywhere and I would interview anyone I, that would give me time and just to soak up as much and learn as much as I possibly could. So do you think you probably got more out of the internship than the people that actually had the master's or PhD because they felt like they were a little too leveled up for it? And because you were so, had so much to learn, you kind of got to experience it in such a different way. You know, I don't know if I got more out of it. I think I just probably, I probably had more room for growth okay. because of it. Okay. Um, and if you talk to any of the people there, man, I still am in contact with those people I interned with today. And, um, and they were like, man, you just, you were a sponge. And so I looked at every other person there as my mentor So even the other interns, I was like, you're not an intern to me. You are a mentor. And so I would treat them the same as, you know, everybody else. Cause I'm like, I want to learn from you. You were so much further ahead and I knew I could learn from everybody there. That's so cool. So that was after your first semester, you said, right? Mm -hmm. So how was the rest of your course? Was it just like, was it super exciting? Was it more dull? Like how was it finishing your master's before? Oh, I loved it. I I would go and do my master's all over again because it was everything you want to learn. You know, it was exciting. Mm -hmm. And I think because I saw how it was applied at IMG, which that's the big difference. I think that's what IMG added is, you know, it's one thing to learn curriculum. Mm -hmm. It's another thing to teach. Yeah. And I learned the teaching side and the application side at IMG. And so I was filling in the gaps of, you know, of knowledge in terms of the psychology behind, uh, you know, performance and the science that just helps all of the application side come to life for me. So it was, I was actually very excited to get back to school to really finish that because I could not wait to get out in the field and start working. That's so exciting. Okay. So you finish your master's and... Um, you start applying. How did that process go for you? Where were you thinking you wanted to go and what were your steps following your degree? So, uh, right out of my master's degree, um, I applied for two jobs or I'm sorry, I applied for several. I got two jobs and which was, I mean, like a grad student's dream. I was on cloud nine. I was like, yes, I get options. So I decide to turn down one and take the other. And the only catch with the one that I took was that it was going to take six months to be placed, which was very normal for that job. So I was like, that's okay. And I was like, sweet, one extra summer, like I'll take it. So six months goes by and I don't hear anything. And so I reach out to my contact and I said, hi, I'm just checking to see when um, I should be placed. And he responded back and said, we're sorry but the job is no longer available. And I couldn't believe it. I mean, six months ago, I had two options and was on cloud nine. Six months later, I got nothing because it's too late to call the other. I mean, it's been six months. They've already, they've already filled that role. Yeah. And so I called everybody I knew to just, you know, hey, is there any job available, like any openings? And I kept hearing the same thing. Lauren, you just need experience, which is like 
the worst thing a grad student can hear. You're like, yeah, what do you think I'm trying to do here? Yeah, that's like everybody out of college. It's like, (laughs) yeah. It's an entry level job with two to three years experience. (laughs) Exactly. So I was so frustrated. And, but I also realized like I have student loans to pay. So I decided to get a job at Starbucks. And this one day at Starbucks completely changed my life. I was working the drive-thru and this guy came through. And when you're working the drive-thru, your job is to entertain the customer while their drinks are being made. And so I'm chatting it up with this customer and he says, he asked me, uh, so are you in school? And I told him, no, actually, um, I just, I just graduated. And he's like, great. What did you get your degree in? And I proudly told him performance <laughs> psychology. Like I was so proud. Yeah. And he just starts laughing like full on laughing in my face. And I'm like, so confused as to why he's laughing. So I straight up ask him and I said, what's so funny? And he goes, Oh, (laughs) you got one of those degrees you'll never use. And I was so pissed. (laughs) I couldn't even hand him his drink. Somebody else had to hand him his drink. I couldn't believe, like, who the hell are you? You don't know me. And I couldn't believe this guy said this to me. And have you ever, have you ever been in that position before where somebody says something and it just keeps replaying in your head? Oh, absolutely. Like time and time again. And so every time it's replaying, I'm getting more and more mad. And then I'm mad because I'm mad because I'm like, you start like replaying what you could have said back (laughs) and you're like, Oh, I should have said this. And then I could have gotten him and you're like in the shower and you're like, why didn't I think of that? It's three months gone by. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) It's exactly. Yeah. So I I was like mad because I was mad. I was like, Lauren, who, this guy doesn't even matter. Why are you giving him so much power over you? And that's when I kind of had this like aha moment. And I realized I'm not mad because he was rude. I'm mad because he was right. Like, how the hell was I going to be the best mental performance coach if I couldn't even take my own advice? Like, you're not going to get very far if you turn around at your first obstacle, the first adversity you face. And here I am at Starbucks, not taking any alternate route, just like, well, didn't work out. I'll wait till something shows up at my doorstep. And I had to look myself in the mirror and ask myself, how the hell is that working out for you? And so that was the day that I Googled how to start your own consulting company. And I started my own consulting company and I worked Starbucks in the morning and I cold called a lot of people at night and would email people. And I got a lot of no's, a lot of just silence. And then uh, every once in a while I'd get a yes and I'd capitalize. And that's how I built my resume to be prepared for the opportunity to interview with the Yankees a year later. And I got the job. That's so cool. So um, I know that you worked for the Yankees. And so if you could explain, I guess, what led you to applying? Was that something that you like had you networked to figure out that that was even available? Is that something that's on LinkedIn? Like what is something like working for the Yankees? How does that look as a mental performance coach? And um, how did you go about going after that? And did you always know like you wanted to work in baseball and or the Yankees? I guess that was like 14 questions. So if you could just answer all those right yeah, now. Yeah, I got you. I got you. I've been taking notes. <laughs> You're like one, two. Oh okay. man. Uh, yeah. So I, I knew I wanted to work in baseball. I knew I wanted to work for a professional organization. Um, and I also knew they weren't easy jobs to come by. 
at the time they wouldn't even look at you out of grad school. You needed experience and my resume didn't have any. So I had to create experience, which is what I did with my consulting company. So the way I prepped for it was I targeted specifically baseball teams and organizations in my area because I wanted to show, look, I can work with baseball. I've done it. And so that was part of what I did. And then the other part, and this is a networking tip I give almost everyone I speak to only 2% if that of people actually do it. And this is quite literally how I even got the opportunity to interview with the Yankees. I reached out to Sometimes I randomly reached out to people on LinkedIn through social media. Um, I would ask friends to connect me if they knew them. And I tried to reach out to anybody I could find that was currently in the position I wanted or even above. So either they were a director in mental performance or a coordinator or a, a mental performance coach. And I would look for them and I would try to try to connect with them. And I would ask them a lot of questions like you would normally if you were connect networking with somebody but what I did was I set a timer in my phone every four to six months to follow up with the individual I had a phone call with. And I would take notes during our conversa conversation because I would also ask about them. And every time I'd reach out to them, I would reference something we spoke about. I would tell them where I was in my current work, what I was learning, what I was working on or developing. And what that did is it not only kept me top of mind when jobs were available, but I also developed a relationship beyond just a network. Mm -hmm. Because I think, you know, I, I have quite a few people that reach out to me now in the mental performance world, and I love connecting with them. Yeah. But you should, you'd be surprised how often sometimes people over ask. Yeah. And they'll say, well, can you write me a letter of recommendation? I'm like, I oh, don't I even know you. Like, don't get me wrong. You're probably phenomenal. But yeah. I write letters of recommendation for people I have very close relationships with. And yeah, so definitely. not that you're not worthy of that, but man, I don't know you yet. And yeah. so what I've learned. My word isn't going to do well for you either because. Yeah, I'm not going to have, I'm not going to have a lot to say just because yeah. I don't, I, I haven't developed that relationship mm -hmm. yet. And so I think it's twofold is that when you develop a relationship with somebody, they feel more comfortable to uh, recommend you. And that's what I did with these people. I would be like, hey, I remember your daughter's birthday was happening a week after we got off the phone. How did that go? You know, what was your favorite part? And so yeah. we would learn about each other a little bit deeper. So I have to say that when, when the Yankees job came available, it's not, a lot of these jobs aren't publicized. Mm -hmm. I think they are becoming more public now, but yeah. at the time they weren't. And so I had that same job offer sent to me by four different people in my network um, because of the relationship that I'd created with them. That's awesome. I think on a side note to your point of making sure to build relationships, there's definitely a fine art to it. Cause I've also had people who get really awkward and try too hard with that. And um, I explain it as they ask too many security questions or answer too many security questions about you. We're like putting it. I, I don't know why I came up with that a while ago, but it's like things that are a little too deep mm. and like, things about your mom's maiden name or like, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> things like that where you're like, maybe we should What's not your ask social. Him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I feel like there's, there's definitely an art to it and yeah. understanding like what's appropriate to ask and or remember yeah. when making that connection with people. Cause I think sometimes people go a little overboard and it's like, 
why do you remember that? You know? <laughs> That's a great point. Yeah. Great point. So there's definitely a fine art to that. Um, so you ended up working for the, so you got the job obviously with the Yankees mm-hmm. and, um, you were their mental performance coach. I yeah. was a mental conditioning coordinator. So they, had, right. they just had a slightly yeah, yeah. different title, same stuff, Yeah, yeah. but, and I worked under, uh, I worked under my director, my associate director, and then I worked alongside, um, my, a couple of my great coworkers. That's so cool. So you worked mainly with the, um, I'm going to butcher it. Which team did you work with? So I worked with six of our minor league teams. Okay. That's what I was, yeah. Yep. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to butcher this. You're like, fill in the blank, please. I'm like, well, how many A's is it? <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So what was one of the, cause obviously people hear Yankees and they lose their minds. So what is one of the coolest thing experiences that you had, um, in the Yankees mm. top of mind, I guess, you know, there's this one that just comes to mind when you ask that and it has nothing to do with the glitz and glam of the Yankees. That's actually quite the opposite. I think one of the coolest parts of my job was not working for the Yankees, but working with the people within it. And there was this one, this one, um, they're not kids. I used to look at them as kids. Cause I'm yeah. like, I could be their moms, but I'm like, you could not. <laughs> yeah. But uh, well, yeah, you're right. I'm your sister. Okay. Don't call me your mom. I had one guy actually go, you're like my mom. I'm like rude. Older I'm, sister. I'm not old enough. Um, yeah. So thank you for correcting that. Um, mom had us at separate times. <laughs> you are noobs. Oh my God. But there was this, uh, there was one of our players. He was, um, he was an international player and he came from a really, you know, rough background and their family didn't have much money at all. And I remember talking to him one day and he never wanted me to speak, um, in his language. He was like, no, no, no. I want to learn English. So please only speak to me in English. So we're, we're chatting it up and whatnot and, you know, translating back and forth. And he goes, uh, he said something about sending money home to his family. And I asked him, I mean, minor league players get paid nothing. So I'm like, what do you have to send home? Like beyond, beyond like paying for food and like an apartment, like how are you, quite, how are you supporting your family? And I asked him, I said, do you ever feel like that's a burden? Like you have a lot of responsibility having to take care of your family as well as yourself. And he stopped me and he goes, Lauren, no, it's my pleasure. He said, I get to support my mom and dad. I get to send my sister to school. He said, it's my absolute pleasure. I don't take a burden at all. And I remember in that moment, just like it hit me because this culture is so different from ours. And it literally brought tears to my eyes because he didn't need all the things. He didn't need the glitz and glams. He didn't care. He cared about supporting and loving other people to whatever degree that looked like. And I remember it was such a reality check for me. And I remember my husband picked me up that day. It was during spring training and he picked me up from work and I get in the car and I start telling him and I just start sobbing, telling him this story. I'm getting emotional just talking about it now. And as we're driving away, he's walking back to his uh, apartment and he yells because he sees me driving. He goes, Lauren, and waves at me with this big smile and like, and like waves like a hug. 
And I'm just like, I can't like this kid. He's not a kid, but you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm just actually just like, ugh. he just, he showed up every day with a smile, happy. You would never know his family is living in poverty. You would never know that he sends his last dollar to his family, not knowing what he's going to do. But every day he showed up with a positive attitude, happy and not a, not a complaint. You couldn't find a complaint within a million miles of that kid. And it just taught, it taught me a lot. So I think that's something I carry with me. And it's just a perspective that, um, that I think I needed. That's really cool. I'm like tearing up. Okay. So even though I've heard that story, but somehow it still hits me. <laughs> okay. So how long did you work for the Yankees again? I worked for them for four years, four years. Okay. So when you talk to a lot of people that are not in that world, um, or huge fans of sports or huge fans of Yankees, they would probably say that you're crazy for wanting to leave the Yankees. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I know how scary it is to leave a full-time job because you went from the Yankees to full, full-time on your business that you had already started. Correct. So what was that like making that jump and understanding that you had learned everything you needed to, were that you could at the Yankees and were ready to make that next step full-time on your own? Because obviously as an entrepreneur, that is something that is terrifying to finally go, okay, we're doing this full-time. We're losing that consistent paycheck. What was mm -hmm. that like for you? Hard. <laughs> um, it's funny. I, I know I could have, I, 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 there was so much more for me to learn there, but I knew that the direction I wanted to go in would require me taking a little risk outside of it. And I think the first time I felt that way was actually my second year with the Yankees. I just wasn't willing to pay attention to it because I was too afraid. Like, I think I knew it then, but I wasn't willing to admit it to myself. Yeah. And you know, what's so funny. You've probably had that gut feeling before. And when you try to push it away, it gets louder. Mm -hmm. And so over the next two years, it just kept getting louder and louder and louder to the point where I couldn't ignore it anymore. And I knew as much as I loved my time at the Yankees and as much as I learned from, uh, you know, being there and, and loved my time there. I knew that if I was going to get where I really wanted to go, that it would require me taking that leap of faith on my own. And so, yeah, man, it, it was, it was not easy to be honest. I felt like I lost a little bit of my identity, you know, you know what yeah. that's like? It's like, Oh, absolutely. I just left a company that I worked for, for 10 on and off years. Yeah. You totally, yeah. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of lose a piece of you a little bit. Yeah. And so it was, I had it very similar to soccer. I had like, when I lost soccer, I had like a little bit of a identity crisis and, and I had, now this wasn't quite as big, but, yeah. uh, I think cause I've learned and I knew it was coming, but, um, but it required me to lean into discomfort and trust myself, Yeah, which isn't always easy. It's easier to say, but man, when you put your feet to the fire, um, it's not always easy to do. And so I know it, when that happened, I, I didn't know where my next paycheck was coming from. I didn't know if I was going to be able to support myself. You know, I didn't know all these things, but I had belief that, well, I've built myself up before to get where I am. I can do it again. Yeah. And so I just leaned into that and said, all right, let's go. That's so wild. That's actually a great point. I never really thought about that as like an identity, identity thing when leaving a job because 
it's something that you don't really think about, especially working in big companies or big organizations as you did. Because I know when I worked for CBS and Max Preps, I didn't really have to say much when people said, what do you do? I said that. And I said, video editor and people were like, Oh my gosh. And mm -hmm. it was just like, it almost gives you like a little bit of a high where people know they've heard of the company and they get excited. Mm -hmm. And it's this weird mentality when you don't have that anymore. Yeah. And I can see that when you go from, you know, you work for the Yankees, which in everybody's mind is, you know, insane. And then going to, I have my own business. And people go, oh, you do? <laughs> That's neat. Exactly. Well, cool. I, I've had so, I had so many people, honestly, at the beginning, you know, doubt me. And, yeah. and I, I will say this. Did you ever doubt yourself from then? No. Okay. And I should say, did, did I, let, let me put it this way. Did I ever doubt I could do it? Hell no. I've always had an immense belief in myself that I know it may take me longer than I was expecting, but I don't quit. Yeah. I did doubt, oh man, can I make this much? Can I hit this target? Can I do that? I did doubt that. And that was something I had to work through. Yeah. Um, and, and I have to say that I, every time I hit a new milestone, I have to work through it. So it's yeah. not like something that's finished, Yeah. but, but yeah, man, I had a lot of doubters. Now, did their voices ever, I guess the, what I meant to say is there, did their voices ever like jade you at all of being like, or did it kind of fuel your fire more? Yeah. It kind of fueled my fire. I feel like I've, I've always taken negative feedback and my, my self-belief has over always overridden that. Mm -hmm. And now it doesn't mean it doesn't hurt in the moment, but it's never been the thing that stopped me. It's usually, I mean, I had so many Starbucks guy. Yeah. Starbucks <laughs> guy. You, I can't tell you how many people were like, you're going to work for the Yankees. Oh yeah. Like you've never even played softball. You think they're actually going to listen to a girl? Like, I mean, I heard, <laughs> I heard it all. And I, I just knew I'm like, I'm, I'm good enough. I can do this. Yeah. And um, I think part of it comes down to like, not only, I mean, I don't really care to prove out to other people. It's more so like I care to prove to myself. Yeah, absolutely. And so I try to keep my eye on the prize. It doesn't mean, doesn't mean it does. I don't get distracted from time to time. And like those voices don't hurt, but I always seem to find my equilibrium. That's, that's amazing. Um, so what's really cool too, is I feel like this year is a huge year for you. And just like those silly people that you hate when they say we can't talk about some of it can't talk about some of it but <laughs> if you follow Lauren there's so many cool things coming up and one of the things that's really exciting so you went full-time you quit the Yankees win 2019 uh, it was no it was last year early last early January uh, end of January 2021 it was my last day what I know. Doesn't it feel like forever? <laughs> yeah, now? it does. It does feel like I had zero clue it's been a year. Yeah, I am like, I am officially entering my second year of business. Yeah. Okay. So that, again, the fact that that just blew my mind proves how much you did last year. Yeah. Can, so let's, let's tackle a little bit of what, what you did the first year of your own company away from the title of the Yankees. Man, um, a lot. I did a lot. I can say that one of the coolest things I got to do with the people I've gotten to work with, it's been phenomenal. I work with all sorts of individuals from, you know, moms and dads to executives, to CEOs, to entrepreneurs, to Olympic athletes, like to dancers, to military, to, you know, scientists, like it's crazy it's so cool. The amount of domains and people I've been able to, to work with. Um, and I mean that, that 
comes in all sorts of shapes and sizes. I've done, you know, lots of one-on-one coaching. I've done, I've traveled a lot and done keynotes, you know, once the world started opening up a little bit. Um, I've done team trainings. Um, I hosted my first event uh, elite by, my first elite by choice event. Um, okay. We're going to pause there for a sec. Let's explain yes. elite by choice. So even just give first a definition, what your definition of it is, because I love that saying I'm ready for my sticker. <laughs> we have stickers of so many sayings of yours. I want that one. I'm ready Done. for an elite by choice sticker. Done. So my, my belief is that you become elite by choice, not by chance. And so I've created a series of events that dive into what it means to make elite choices. And uh, my first event was specifically targeted for people in the field of mental performance. Um, and this year I, Hold on, we're, not, we're not done. We're not done with that. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'll yet. slow down. I'll slow down. Yeah, you wait a second. So, we're not there yet. Okay. So 2021, you decide to put on your first event. By yeah. the way, this is year one of her being <laughs> on her own of her company. And you put on a full event in a different state with so many people. So explain, let's go. Yeah. Well, and I, I'll, I'll be honest too. I have to give, I have to give some credit to, uh, one of my good friends, mentors and coaches, uh, Tony Grebmeyer. I was on a call with him and I told him about this idea I had for these events and I want it to be like small, intimate, really impactful. Like people leave just feeling a sense of transformation and, and, uh, cause explain, cause they're in mental performance. There's big events, right? There are. Yeah. So the reason why I'll explain that the reason okay. why I wanted it to be small and intimate is because really the only other event that our field hosts, uh, it, thousands of people go to it and it's, it's, it's a phenomenal event, but I, I realized the one thing that was missing is I, I was missing creating new relationships and new connections. I was meeting a lot of people, but it was a lot of quantity. I was lacking on the quality because when there's so much people, so many people you end up, it's weird. I'm sure somebody in social psychology can explain this, but you tend to gravitate towards who, you know, Yeah, and it, uh, it doesn't encourage you know, necessarily, uh, a lot of, you know, meeting of other people and really spending time with them. So yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I wanted to do the opposite of that. And I wanted to create another event where it was very small and intimate. Like you feel like you're in my living room and we're really, you know, peeling back the layers. We're getting real and raw. Like we are just sharing and we're creating a space that's like totally safe and like psychologically safe that people can share and be open and there's no judgment and everybody's there to support each other. And I, so I tell Tony this and he goes, great. When are you going to do it? And I said, ah, uh, you know, probably next year. And he goes, no, you're not. You're going to do it this year. And by the way, he remember, remind me when you told him that when he told you this September and this event was in November. Yes. Okay. Anyways, go on. So <laughs> put this together in September. Yeah. Three, two months. Yeah. It was wild. So I was like, oh my gosh, I'm doing, I'm doing, I mean like nobody's going to want to, like, December is like Christmas. So like December's out. So I'm like, shoot, November. Well, I got to do it before Thanksgiving. Like, so I'm like, shoot, I'm like, you're really cutting me off a little bit. And he's just like, figure it out. He goes, he, he pretty much told me, he's like, why not? Why not? That's my favorite saying. And I couldn't, I, I didn't have an answer for it. And so I, I dove in, I dove, I had so much help. I couldn't have done it alone, but it came together incredibly. Like I can't even put into words what the event was like because it was, it, it would, I can't even get words. You hear this? Yeah. <laughs> um, it was beyond 
what I was expecting. And I was just so thankful for everybody that came, all the speakers. I mean, it's because of everybody there that made it what it was. So, um, yeah, it was absolutely phenomenal. And I just, so how many people, what were, how many speakers, how many days? So we had 20 people, we had eight speakers, three days, and we just dove in. And the coolest part is now hearing from everybody and, um, people are like, well, people better be ready to buy tickets cause we're coming again <laughs> and I'm limiting seats again. And, um, but it's, it's great. And then seeing these people that didn't know each other prior to the event, support each other, you know, over social media and in each other's lives, they're going and doing meetups and visiting each other in each other's hometowns. And it's the coolest thing to see. So that's so incredible. And just seeing these people win and win big and connecting with them with some of our amazing speakers who are just willing to help, willing to help, you know, more than they would if they were at a big event because they've now developed relationships with each one of these people. And most of our speakers were able to stay most of the days. So you weren't just there when they spoke. You didn't just get to interact with them when they spoke. You had dinner with them. You were sitting down with lunch. You were going through workshops with them. And so you really got to know these people on a different level. And I consider every single person there like family to me. That's so incredible. So obviously that was super successful. It went off better than you expected. And that was just your first year of business. Now we're in 2022. Mm-hmm. Now you have two events coming up. Yes. And the exciting part about this is that I'm not just doing one for mental performance coaches. I'm also doing an elite by choice event for professionals. I'm already commencing my work to <laughs> buy a ticket. <laughs> and... I got so many requests from companies and people and go like, wait, who is this for? And it just didn't fit their demographic. I'm like, Hey, you know, I I would love for you to join us, but man, I want to make sure that you're getting the most out of it. And so I decided to create one for professionals, you know, whether you are an entrepreneur, you know, whether you're, you know, you work at a company an organization, um, whether you just want to up your game, whether you're a coach, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. This is going to cover all the areas of developing an elite mindset through your, the choices that you make. And so we're creating different layers of what that looks like. And each speaker is going to contribute to it. So I, I'm really, really excited I'm like for grinning it. ear to ear. I'm so <laughs> excited for this. So that is going to be in May. May. Okay. So that's in May. And then are we allowed to say where it is? Yes. It's in Sacramento. Okay. Sacramento, so, California. For those that don't know that that's in California. <laughs> no, it's yes. Capital. Yeah. So it's, it's actually close by. So, um, Sacramento will be for that one. And then our next event is going to be in Nashville. And this is again for people in mental performance or similar fields. And, uh, so we're going to host that one again, but that one's going to be in Nashville in November. That's so exciting. Yeah. So, what are the challenges that you've found with doing the business side? Cause obviously you're in business, you understand business, you worked with businesses. So you have all that behind you, mm-hmm. but being in mental performance and that whole game has kind of been your, your big MO. So putting on that event is more like enveloped in you. So how has it been trying to find business professionals and kind of figuring out that whole aspect of the event? Hmm. Are you talking about like attendees or speakers or more speakers and kind of what you want out of it, I guess. Mm. Um, well, I think number one is that if you know, if you speak to any, like just elite performers in general, it doesn't matter if they're sports or not, they all have this desire to improve. 
you know, it, they, they always say it's, it's not, it's not a marathon. It's a sprint without a finish line. That's mm-hmm. what business is like. Yeah, absolutely. And so they are always trying to improve and get better. They know that they're never too good, mm-hmm. you know, to learn and grow. And so I think that's, that's what's targeted. Like with all the business professionals I've worked with, um, or just professionals in general, they all have that in common and not everybody gets to get in a room with just some incredible speakers that can really dive deeper and be able to ask and their burning questions right in front of them, Mm -hmm. be able to help them directly independently, you know, outside of the talk, like outside of the group setting and then have that connection for further use. Yeah. And so that's kind of what led me to the content. Um, what led me to the speakers? I mean, man, I feel so. Have you lucky. already picked your speakers for? Yes. <gasps> oh, that's um, so exciting. Yes. Now, granted, I should say, um, I'm still reaching out to all of them. Yeah. So I'm hoping, you know, they can do it at that. At those we're manifesting dates. right now. Yeah, we're manifesting. Um, but I just have phenomenal, phenomenal people, and then I've also been introduced to incredible people. That's cool. Um, and I, a couple of the people I know have just been phenomenal and just, um, you know, helping develop relationships and networking. So that's so exciting. Yeah. So when do tickets go on sale for that? Do you have they a date yet? are actually, I do not have a date yet, okay. but I should say tickets will go on sale within the next month. So by the, wow. by the end of February, early March tickets will be available for both our May event and the November event. <gasps> Wild. And we are limiting spots. So when they're gone, they're gone. That's we are crazy. keeping it small. We're keep we're keeping the integrity of the event. People ask me all the time, "Are you gonna Are you gonna stream it virtually?" The answer is no, and the reason why is because it's a safe place. Yeah. We people share, you know, details about their lives. Yeah, and it's not right if you're not in the room. Um, you know, to be, to me, it almost feels like we're exploiting that. And I don't, I don't ever want to ruin the integrity of the safety that we have created in that room. So, um, so unfortunately I will not be doing virtual events, um, as it pertains to these two, just because there's something special that happens in that room. And I just want to hold that integrity. So it's going to be on Lauren Johnson and co.com. Yes. So I will link it below so that people can click on it when they're Perfect. ready. And I will say that in the meantime, before that is available to click on and order your tickets is that, um, and I know you're going to mention this anyway, but you can sign up for my newsletter, which will have that information in there when we're ready to launch. Oh, awesome. That is actually good to know. So since she brought up her newsletter, we're going to talk about it because she has a midweek mindset newsletter. I'm so excited. I said that clearly. I tried <laughs> saying it one time and for some reason it seemed like a tongue twister. <laughs> you're not the only one. <laughs> but anyways, you have a midweek mindset newsletter. So not only do you have all this amazing content, but you give it away for free, mm-hmm. which is mind boggling when you really think about it. So the greatest thing about what Lauren does is that everything, just like she said, it doesn't just pertain to athletes or business people. It pertains to everybody in anything in life that you want to do. So what's exciting is that she puts out content on social media every day. And then also she has a midweek newsletter and it's really cool because she dives into different stories and different content. What's, give me the layout of it. It, you have a video and then you have, yeah, I have a video and then I have, uh, like a, the video in word form. <laughs> yeah, some okay. people don't want to watch the yeah, video. Yeah, but like, what are and the sections? That, of the... And then the action plan. That's right. Yeah. Okay. And then a quote. Awesome. And then there's some resources at the bottom. So what's great about the midweek newsletter is that it's once a week. It does not flood your email. And it 
honestly is so great to start or start your week. Apparently, since it's Wednesday today, I am starting my week. Yikes, today's such been, it's been such a Monday, it hurts. Okay, anyways, you continue your week off and finish it off strong. So what's cool about it is today is Wednesday when we're recording this, but this will come out on February, I think I wrote it down. It comes out February 10th on a Thursday because all episodes come out on Thursdays. And um, this week's, which is February 2nd today, yeah, February 2nd was a really cool um, thing. So if you could talk about what was in the newsletter this week. Yeah, today was all about Parkinson's Law, which Parkinson's Law states that your work will expand to the amount of time given to complete it. And so, for example, if you have 10 minutes to write an email, it'll take you 10 minutes. If you have two weeks to write that same email, it'll take you two weeks. And so the interesting th- correlation I found with this principle is that Productivity has less to do with time management and more to do with focus management because the less time you're given, the more focus is required. The more time given, the less focus is required, which is why one takes longer than the other. That's why procrastinators thrive. (laughs) So we can use Parkinson's law to our advantage. And so in the, this week I gave three tips and um, the first one is to you know, set a quitting time. So give yourself a certain amount of time to complete a task. And again, using Parkinson's law to our advantage, instead of giving yourself two weeks, you know, give yourself, you know, a day or an hour or 10 minutes, whatever that looks like for you. Um, another one is to consistently check in with yourself and ask yourself, what should I be focusing on right now? Because sometimes it's just a level of awareness we're lacking mm-hmm. that we get distracted by social media. We get distracted by a phone call or whatever. And we were There's like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. And we're like, Oh my gosh, I this email. <laughs> it's 15 minutes later and you just you just like you you thought it was two minutes you didn't realize how far you've gone so it's checking in and asking ourselves that question um and then the last one is just our focus is driven with clarity so the more clarity we can create around our schedules and um just prioritizing what matters most that's another way to just improve your focus so that you can improve your productivity yeah so anyways as we listen to that nugget sign up for her newsletter because this is the type of thing that is in there every single week. And again, then you can find out when the event is launching, Mm -hmm. which is so exciting. So yeah, that is, you can actually do that on your website as well. You can sign up for the newsletter there. Mm -hmm. Um, let's see, what else can we plug? Uh, your Instagram, a lot of your content is on Instagram. You also have a lot of content on LinkedIn. Yes. And Twitter. Oh, okay. Yep. Is there any other, are you TikToking? Are you dancing? I mean, no, definitely not. You don't, I don't think anybody wants to see that. They could, or maybe they do and laugh at me. It, yeah, I'm They'd not be there. laughing with you. Uh, I don't know about that, but thank you. That's very kind. At least you know you're not good. <laughs> I know I'm not. And you know, I embrace it. I embrace it. I'm okay with that. Uh, but no, I mean, I, I am on TikTok. I have to say I haven't been super active, Yeah. Um, but I am. You can find me. That's very exciting. So is there anything else we can plug for you? No, I think, man, you've, you've got me covered. I appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. She has a cat. I do. She's kind of an asshole. She is. And then she has a dog. That's really sweet. Yep. That's. I think I summed it up now. Yeah, you that did. Your entire you life. definitely <laughs> summed up my life right there. Yep. Stella oh. and Oaks. Oaks loves Stella. Stella hates Oaks. Yeah. That again sums it up. Yep. <gasps> oh my gosh. One day we're going to talk about the squirrel saga. Oh yeah. There's more to it. Yeah. We're going to talk about the squirrel saga one yeah. day. 
Well, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This actually, is so much before, I, before I cut it off, I actually thought I had a really interesting thought as we were doing this entire episode. So obviously, I, Lauren and I have known each other for 12 years. Oh my gosh. No, no, actually longer than that. 13 years. Dang. Wow. Whoa. That's wild. Anyways, so we've known each other for a really long time. We've gone through the ups and downs together. And the coolest thing that I realized, so obviously with Unorganized and Lost, is that everyone always realizes that life is not a straight line. It's a mess and we're all trying to figure it out. And that's why I thought doing Lauren's story was really cool because I lived it with her. Mm -hmm. The wild thing is, is as we talk about it, it doesn't seem that crazy. <laughs> yeah, like It my... seems pretty straight in a really weird way. It seems straighter than it was. Oh, it didn't feel like that. Well, and that's, that's for sure. And I think that's what's so interesting about life is that, you know, when you're going through it, it seems so either unattainable or like, why am I still at Starbucks or one of these things? But then as we're explaining it, I mean, those heart, I mean, I remember you working at Starbucks and the hardship because I was going through my own hardships at the time, like with work and things. Mm -hmm. And the wild thing is, is as we're talking about it now, it's like, oh yeah, I worked at Starbucks. That sucked. This guy said mean things. And then I worked for the, like I did my own business and I worked for the, and it's like, it's so crazy when we think about life and how hard things are and how we feel so low and then in our timeline, it just seems more straight. And it's, I don't know. Anyways, I thought that was interesting. You know, it makes me think like life is lived forward, but understood backward. Mm -hmm. And we don't always understand it when we're in it, mm -hmm. but you're right. Like looking back, we go, oh my gosh, I see how every piece was necessary to be where we are today. Absolutely. And so I think that's a really good point. Like looking back, you know, we have a totally different perspective than when we were living it. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. This is the best. So we're here to prove you don't always have to be organized to follow your dreams and getting lost isn't always a bad thing. Sometimes it can be. Bye. <laughs>